Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State football podcast slash Twitter spaces. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh. We are, uh, we're doing the Cowboy Walk and Talk. Jenny Carlson going to be joining us uh, shortly as well. Uh, Cowboy Walk and Talk, follow, follow us along from uh, our, our spot at the stadium out to our car. It's, uh, it's loads of fun. Um, Jacob, this is a, uh, this is a, a loaded question. Uh, kind of a uh, kind of a tough one on uh, on no notice because we did absolutely no preparation for this podcast. Um, the game prepared most... for this podcast, Scott. <laughs> the last six <laughs> hours have prepared you yes. for the question I'm about to ask, which is, what was the most important play of this game? I, I should uh, go ahead and, and lay the foundation, oh. give you a, a second to think. Uh, but Oklahoma State defeated Texas Tech 41-31. Cowboys trailed 31-23. Early in the uh, in the third quarter, and uh, and turned it turned it around and uh, and uh, turned it around in lots of ways. But uh, we'll get into all of that here uh, here shortly and discuss exactly what uh, what was important. But that's uh, that's where I want to start with you, Jacob. Most important play? What was it? Man, I am I'm kind of torn. My my gut, my head goes to Mason Cobb's interception. Um, my gut almost, can't, can you hear me? Can't go wrong with that. Yes. Yeah. I got nervous. Go, Sorry. Can't go wrong with uh, that. I, it goes to that, but also my gut says the fair catch on the, uh, onside kick was pretty big too. That was really big. I mean, if, was a big if, play. Cause if OSU didn't get that ball there, they might be down 14 nothing before they even had the ball. And right. That, exactly. That's worrisome the way that tech was playing offensively that first half. And so, that that one really has me uh, kind of curious there. That, that, I think I might lean that way the more I talk it out in my head. Very heady, very intelligent play. Uh, Texas Tech obviously got the ball. Would have, uh, you know, would have had the ball had it not been for the fair catch call, and uh, and really had some early momentum right away. So um, they, you got cut off. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Jacob? No, that was good, and then you disappeared, and so I thought. Oh. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, um, this is a uh, this is a weird one, but you know how much I love Tom Hutton, so it's uh, it's not really off base for me that my uh, my number one play is his punt to the five yard line that sets up the uh, the the three and out early in the third quarter, the second possession of the third quarter. Um, you know, they needed something good to happen at that point, and it just uh, it it just felt like nothing was going right, uh, or it was at, at at best a one step forward, two steps back kind of situation. And they uh, they finally got something positive. They get that punt down at the five, or fair caught at the five, and uh, then they uh, they get a quick three and out. And and set the offense up in good field position, and it was a uh, it was the moment when the game finally felt like maybe Oklahoma State was going to put more than one good thing together in a row. They might start stacking some good things together, and they did. The offense goes fifty three yards. They end it with Spencer Sanders' rushing touchdown. They follow up with a two point conversion to tie the game, which I thought was uh, what did you think? Was that too, was that too early to try? Obviously, it worked. 
So it's uh, it's easy to uh, say, but I mean, still over three minutes left in the third quarter. At that point, it's uh, it's really hard to uh, to know when it's too early to start chasing a point like that. Uh, what do you think, Jacob? I I don't know. I, I was at first I thought this is super early, and maybe because it's worked out, I, I I'm not opposed to it now. But also, I looked at the scoreboard after I thought that and thought, well. They still could take the lead the field goal here if they get a stop, which is huge. Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of I, I kind of like the idea of that early because then you still got even if you don't get it, you still got a whole quarter. Yes. To go and try to get that those points back, so it, it didn't seem too bad to me. Um, but you know, maybe the little guy returned with the analytics book behind <laughs> Gundy and tapped on his shoulder and got him to go for it there. I'm I mean, there sure. were two situations uh, where he went. I think. A, a little bit against his common trend. There was a, a fourth down play earlier in the game, about a fourth and four. Uh, they were, I, I believe, still on their side of the field, near midfield, but I believe on their side of the 50. And uh, they not only go for it, but they throw a deep ball, which was uh, which was really out of character in that situation. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, a really interesting play uh, uh, decision there, I thought, uh, for him to go for it in uh, in that scenario. Didn't feel like a, a typical Mike Gundy call right there. Um, but worked out. The two-point conversion obviously worked out. They tie the game. They, uh, they, uh, they, they keep things rolling. Then comes the Mason Cobb interception. And, uh, and, and they get the field goal to take the lead for the first time. And the defense. Okay, Texas Tech scored five times in eight possessions. Of the three that they didn't score on, one of those was a missed field goal. So they could have scored six times in eight possessions to start mm-hmm. the game. The final six possessions of the game, the Oklahoma State defense looks like it's the 2021 defense all of a sudden. They, uh, they, they force uh, two, uh, two punts. Mason Cobb intercepts the pass. Then three straight turnovers on downs on, uh, on, on the last three possessions. An incredible turnaround for a uh, for a defense that that was really struggling for for a good bit with uh, with a variety of things. It wasn't like there was one thing that was going wrong. You know, it would be tackling in one moment, and it would be pass coverage in another, and uh, and it would be an inability to get to the quarterback in another situation. So uh, it just felt like things were uh, were piling up against them. Uh, but they uh, they found a way to uh, to get it on track and uh, and shut the door on Tech. I'm pretty sure after the uh, the touchdown on the third uh, the, to start the third quarter, I'm pretty sure that I leaned over to you in the press box and said, "It just feels like this is one of those games where they're not going to right the ship." And then they didn't give up another point the rest of the way. Yeah, I actually asked Jason Taylor about that kind of. I said, "Hey, is there you know last year you guys were so good at yeah you might struggle, but you just felt like." You guys are going to figure this out. Was there any doubt that you guys may not figure this out? He said, I didn't have any. He said, but you kind of feel on the sideline, especially that first half. That it was like, this is trouble. Like, we're, we're really struggling here. and We may not figure this team right. out. And uh, that was, to me, was like one of the first signs. It's like, oh, my goodness. Like, they, they, they you know, OSU is starting to realize that this isn't uh, 2021 anymore. And so um, they figured it out, though. Um I give props to Derek Mason on that because this is not an easy adjustment uh, that they figured out. And, you know, they also had to deal with a quarterback that they weren't expecting to start, which I think was a challenge for them for the most of that first half. That was uh, that was the really bizarre thing. And, of course, 
longtime Oklahoma State fans are very familiar with uh, Oklahoma State's uh, long trend of making backup and third-string quarterbacks look really good. Uh, so, so that was the uh, the first thing because this guy was essentially a, a third stringer. Uh, Donovan Smith was the backup at the beginning of the year, takes the starting job because of injury, and uh, and Baron Morton ends up in the number one spot because of a, uh, a what appears to be a benching. I, I don't I don't know. Did you ever find out any uh, real specific details on the on the change to move Baron Morton into the starting role? No, it sounds like you know talking to Don Williams at the, the Lubbock paper, our sister paper. There, it was just a, uh, I think it was a benching. It didn't sound like he was hurt. I mean, he came in and played slot receiver a few times. He went through a pass in the second quarter there, but uh, so I think it was just they they decided that maybe it's a matchup thing. Maybe they thought that uh, Baron Morton had a better shot against OSU secondary than than Donovan did. You know, Donovan can move a little bit, maybe not as mobile as as Morton, and uh, maybe not as quick release either. And so. You try to neutralize that defensive line going that kid, but I think that kid might be a star. Yeah, I mean, incredibly accurate, moves really well, uh, evaded pressure really well. Uh, a lot of good things out of Baron Morton in uh, in his first career start. So pretty impressive. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's check on it here, Jenny. Uh, uh, are you are you connected? Can you uh, can you speak to us? I hey, think it's so. Jenny. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not I usually don't have any problem with the Twitter spaces but today be, and I and I'm not even walking and talking I'm I am a sedentary in my talking so I don't even know but I am here sorry about it's, that guys it's, be, it's just because we're exactly. running the show so there's got to be, be no. the All right so. Jenny, Jenny, no, Jenny no. I'm going to ask you the uh the the same thing that I asked Jake, Jacob to start this podcast off what was the most yeah. important play of this game today Oh man. Yeah. I, you know, Mike Gundy in his post game said there were two big ones. He felt like that, uh, Spencer's touchdown there, that two yard touchdown run and the, um, the targeting were the two biggest plays, but then he pretty quickly said, well, there were a lot of big plays, so it's probably not right to, to narrow it down to two. But, um, I, I thought the two yard touchdown run by Spencer was pretty darn big just in terms of, you know, they, they needed to get a touchdown there. They didn't need to kick another field goal. Um, Mike Gundy said a couple, uh, he was asked about, you know, do you, are you ever tempted to go for it? And he said, well, special teams is pretty good in pinning, uh, you know, pinning the other team and uh, sw- switching the field and all those sorts of things that he really doesn't mind punting on fourth down or, or kicking field goals if that's the option. Still, in that moment, you're at the two. You want to punch it in there. And so I think for them to go ahead and, and get on the board with a touchdown was really big. And, you know, obviously that tied the game and Tech never scored again. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a really big mo- moment. Um, the toughness that Sanders showed on the play was uh, was really impressive. Um, while while I think that is probably Sanders most important play, my favorite play of his on the day was his first touchdown pass to Bryson Green, not only because of Green uh, making the incredible play to get into the end zone for the touchdown, uh, breaking through a tackle, then rolling over a defender in, on, into, the, uh, into the end zone, uh, but the way that Spencer Sanders sold the run, everybody in the stadium thought this was a design run. Sanders was coming. DBs bit up hard to come and stop him, and Bryson Green was wide open. Then he made a guy miss and barreled over another guy into the end zone. Um, that was a, uh, a really big play. And uh, when you had moments like that and the, uh, the fair catch on the onside kick 
happening so early in this game. You just knew this was a game that was going to be full of big plays. You could tell that Texas Tech was in a, a, a different mindset. They were ready to compete. They weren't, uh, they weren't coming out there with their third-string quarterback and just going to lay over. So um, you could feel right away how important all of these moments were, were, were going to be. And, Jenny, I know you, uh, you wrote about Oklahoma State's toughness in this game today. Uh, what stood out to you in, in, in that, the grit that they showed in this, uh, in this game? Well, you know, I just I think a lot if you look at the stat sheet, a lot did not go well for Oklahoma State today. You know, talking about Spencer Sanders, he had some great moments, but he didn't throw it all that well today. You know, just not an overall efficient performance and, you know, didn't complete half his passes. And normally that's a that's a recipe for disaster in modern day football. If you've got a quarterback that you're leaning heavily on and he doesn't complete half his passes. So you know, and, and on the flip side, the defense, I mean, there were, there were stretches defensively. I heard you mention earlier, Scotty, the, you know, the stretch where you're, you're like, well, this is where last year the defense figures it out. Maybe this year they're not going to, I mean, there were times when on both sides of the ball, you know, guys had to be thinking, boy, this we're, we're up in in it now, you know, like, how are we going to get out of this? And they just kept at it and, you know, defense missed some tackles, but they didn't, didn't lay down. Offense had times when they had to punt it away or settle for field goals. They didn't quit uh, trying to, you know, put some more points on the board. And at the end of the day, you've got 40 points on the board, uh, 41, uh, you know, go over 40 points for the, for the offense that had a okay day and win by double digits. So the fact that this team found a way to, you know, win a game that a lot of teams would say, hey, that looks pretty good on the scoreboard. I think that says a lot about resiliency and, you know, you can't know those things until you're in it. And the Cowboys found themselves, you know, obviously they were in it a week ago um, at Waco, really did a nice job. But then to be at home today and, you know, things not going great, I think things went a little more according to plan last week at Baylor. But for things not to grow great today and for them to stick with it, I thought it it really said a lot about where this team is and, and where it could potentially go, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in a game like this, uh, you know, when uh, when not everything is clicking, you've got to have uh, you've got to have people who are maybe not the prime guys step up and make plays. And you saw that from Oklahoma State today. Jaden Bray, his first time on the field this season, had a couple of important catches, uh, had the two point conversion that we talked about. Uh, you know, and he's filling in for Braden Johnson, who uh, who disappeared. Mid, uh, you know, early in the first quarter, Mike Gundy uh, said he wasn't exactly familiar with what the injury status of, of Johnson was. Um, but then you got Ben Kapinski, a guy that uh, is, you know, I mean, basically a fourth stringer at the at that Leo edge rusher position, and he's out there making uh, making big plays in the fourth quarter of of a conference game. Um, I mean, and I mean this guy, th- that guy's story fascinates me, and we'll get into it more, but. I mean, a, a guy that, uh, that was not only a walk-on, there are walk-ons making plays for this team and doing important things. This guy just showed up and tried out. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. Walk-on. Right, exactly. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a wild story and, and such a, an impressive uh, amount of, uh, uh, of, of fortitude being shown by that guy to hang around and then get on the field when the guys that he's behind the depth chart on are, are, are Brock Martin – Colin Oliver and, and Trace Ford, and he's getting on the field. It's impressive. Yeah, he he actually said in post game, "I'm here to get my construction degree." <laughs> yes, and 
and and that's it. You know, he was like, football has been great, and I'm going to look for a job in May. And so he's here and knows what he can do. But, you know, and Trace has talked about in the past, he feels bad that Kavinsky can't get on the field more. Yeah. Because he knows how good – he knows how good the depth chart is ahead of him, and they feel bad that at times they can't get him on the field. So he's he's a remarkable story for this team. All right. Well, we are uh, we are arriving here at the parking garage. So with that, we'll finish up where we always finish up. Both uh, both Eugenie and Jacob. The most important thing that I forgot because I know there has to be a few good ones out there tonight. Ooh, man. man, that's that's. Uh, I mean, I think. something that I don't know if I recognized until I really started looking at the stat sheet post game was LSU had 14 tackles for loss tonight. Um, You know, four sacks, but 14 tackles for loss and really coming from a lot of different guys um, and, you know, pass breakups by some different guys too. They had, you know, pass breakups by Kapinski, by Trace Ford, um, you know, some guys you don't expect necessarily to break up a pass or batten them down at the line of scrimmage. So the pressure they were able to affect, um, you know, while there may be some not great moments defensively, boy, that's some stuff you can hang your hat on. All right, Jacob, you got anything? Well, I have a couple things. I'll go through a checklist. No, I'm kidding. Um, I have uh... – you know, Preston Wilson going out and the offensive line still getting stronger and the run game late was was big, I thought. Um, they didn't start out well, and, and Joe Mahowski struggled with some snaps, but they kind of got that figured out with Wilson hurt. I thought that was big. Dominic Richardson closed strong, which he has tendency and, and, to do. And as, and as Mike Gundy pointed out, they ran the ball the best when everybody in the stadium knew they were going to run the yeah. ball. That was, that was crazy. It's, that's, the, that's the craziest thing. Um, and then I'm going to go for one more thing. Um, we haven't talked about Bob Finnamore at all. Um, and, oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. You know, he was honored today, had a big day, getting his number retired and going to the ring of honor. And they had a commemorative patch, and the players all walked in wearing jerseys honoring him. Um, I thought that was really cool moments for, for his family. It was. Really neat deal. Um, I got the, chan- got the chance to talk to his daughter, Beth Ates, earlier this week. Uh, they're really excited about the, uh, the opportunity to, to be here, see his name go up in the Ring of Honor, and, uh, and, and really celebrate him on, uh, on a special day. So that was, uh, that was definitely a cool thing. All right. Well, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up this, uh, this edition of the Cowboy Chronicles. Uh, we will, of course, be at our regular spot on Tuesday at Stone Cloud here in Stillwater, Ninth and Husband over in Stillwater. Feel free to come out and join us. We're usually there and. Uh, and all set up by about 6.45, recording around 7. So come hang out with us, drink some beer, have a good time. Uh, but with that, thank you for everybody who, uh, who joined us tonight. We will talk to you on Tuesday on the Cowboy Chronicles. Mm-hmm.